Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. This time on Open Door Policy, we leave the guest chair empty and hear from Danielle about the season of Lent, the Easter Triduum, and the great feast of the resurrection of the Lord on Easter Sunday. So I got a story about some listeners. Wow, you beat me to it. Like, <laughs> I was going to open and you're jumping no, in. No, I said, oh my go gosh. Okay, right, so, go for it. All right, go for it, Danny. It's I all have, about Danny. Oh go for it. Oh my gosh. This is what I deal with. <laughs> Y'all, I'm trying to just be a joyful missionary disciple. Yeah, pray And then for I'm her. getting some flack. Suffering okay. So anyway, my sister-in-law started listening to the podcast, shout out, and my niece, who's just turned four, mm-hmm. is like figuring things out, right? And. <laughs> She's figuring listening. Life out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all are, but like when you're four, you're really figuring life out. And she was listening, and at first she was confused, and she was trying to talk to us because, like, because she I, knows your voice. Because she right? knows my voice. She's like Aunt Danielle talking to me, and so her mom tried to explain it to her, like, no, that's not how it works. We're just listening. So then she heard me call you father, of course, and yeah. she says, "Wait, is that her dad?" <laughs> So clarification for our listeners, you're not my dad. I am not. My no. dad is Grandpa here, Mark. Here in the Catholic Church, <laughs> we call priest father. Yeah, so you're just my friend, a priest. Yeah. But I thought I was like dying laughing. Wait, is that your dad? I was like, no, you know my dad. It's your grandpa. You've seen him like a million times. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's an awesome opening for us, Danielle. I want to do rapid fire questions with you, even though you know these an- these questions. I think. <laughs> well, it'd be I wasn't fun. prepared to answer them today, though. But I'm going to do my best. All right. Great. Okay. So let's just uh, ask these, and we'll follow up. Okay? okay. What was the coolest article of clothing you had as a kid? I had the baddest red dress. Ooh. Uh, what's the weirdest food you've ever eaten? There's this Polish um, soup that's made out of ducks, blood, and raisins and onions. Uh, your favorite piece of religious art? There is an altarpiece that I really like painting. Okay. Uh, if your life was made into a movie, what genre and who would play you? My life would be a rom com. Yeah. And so I have to like, I relay them a lot that, of stories. That's romantic comedy. That's a romantic for... comedy for the home listeners. Yeah. Um, and who would play you? I've gotten Claire Danes before, especially now that she's blonde, which is like a huge compliment because she's very beautiful and very talented i know a lot about love i've seen it i've seen centuries and centuries of it and it was the only thing that made watching your world bearable all right uh what do you remember about church as a kid one of my earliest childhood memories was um my parents went to shrine and i got lost in it (laughs) (laughs) at the church yes uh hamburger pizza or taco um the listeners wouldn't know this, but I have some dietary restrictions, so mm-hmm. I, I'm a taco lover. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, everywhere you've traveled, where would you go back of all the places? Mm-hmm. Um, you've traveled a lot. I, I love traveling. I travel a lot. The two places that I have returned and I probably would consider again, um, El Salvador has a lot of love and Poland. All right. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? God's first priority is not that your life is easy. It's that it's good. If you had to teach a class, what would you teach? 
I've taught a lot of dance classes, actually. I actually also really love lino block cutting, so I oh, might yeah, do that. Oh, yeah, and you're really good at that. Thanks, Brando. And I also like sewing, and I also like cooking, so any of the above. If you could pick your confirmation saying today, who would you pick? I really like the one that I picked, but I also have a lot of love in who my was heart. That? I, I have St. Francis of Assisi, but also I was in seventh grade and like loved animals. Yeah. Um, so I would probably, I would, I might go with him again because he's awesome, but I also love St. Damien of Molokai. I love St. Josephine Bakita, and I love Maximilian Colby, who's yours. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. And I have a niece named Josephine who is named after Josephine Bakita. So She's shout out incredible. to Josephine. Hold me accountable. I'm thinking about my next Lino block might be of her. But anyway. Sweet. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. great. Uh, why did you choose Francis of Assisi? You mentioned you loved animals. Like, is there a deeper reason you love him now? I really love the way that he saw the church. I love the way that he completely embraced the gospel in a really weird way. You know that one quote? Who says it? The saint of the era is the one that like is the most different from the era. Like Hmm. the greatest saint is the one that most contradicts the era. I don't know that quote. We're going to have to look it up. Uh, Listeners, tweet us. So I love how he had a real heart for the church and he could have I mean, he could have split from it, right? But instead he was like, no, I'm just going to reform from within. I love his spirituality in that sense. I love how he opened the Bible, pointed to three things and was like, I'm just going to do these like 110%, like embrace poverty, embrace all this stuff. I'm like, you get it, St. Francis of Assisi. So he's the best. Yeah, he's awesome. I've grown. And Colby is a Franciscan. Yeah, I mean, there are <laughs> many more kinds of Franciscans in the world than there are, you know, I don't know, kinds of hot sauce. Or, I don't know. <laughs> tra- there's a lot yeah, of different kinds of true. Franciscans. So the mm-hmm. um, best piece of advice you've ever been given, God doesn't want you, your, your life, life to be, to be easy. easy. He wants it to be good. Who told you that? My high Did school? I tell you that? <laughs> oh, wait, never <laughs> mind. <laughs> Yes, you did. It was the best piece of advice I ever received. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. It changed the course of my life. Yeah. Um, No, it was my literature teacher in high school is a pastor in Detroit. Um, Not not a Catholic priest, just a Protestant pastor. And he um, he he was like just really, really awesome. And he taught God's not God's first priority is not that your life is easy. It's that it's good. And I think about that a lot. Yeah, my brother's got this kind of tagline on his emails uh, that he sends out, and that's from Benedict, that and I, I, Benedict the Sixteenth, and I can't remember the name, but like the quote, but it's something like that, right? Yeah. Like, God didn't make you uh, for ease. Uh, God made you to be great. Yeah. We're called or for, for greatness. greatness. Yeah. We're called to greatness, and I think that's. It's just such an awesome, like inspiring thing, how God calls us to greatness. And last one on this, we'll ask about favorite piece of religious art. You gave a real like enigmatic answer. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to like jump into this with both feet if I don't just say it. So there's this altarpiece and it's, it's done by a man named Grunwald and it show that's the last name. And there's, um, and it's Jesus being crucified, but his hands are like re- are like so really gnarled, and he has the black plague. Oh yeah, because he was painted in the era where people w- who were dying from the plague would come to the church because there wasn't really a hospital system yet. So there'd just be sick people dying in the church. So it was painted so that the people looking at it would know that Jesus was suffering with them. And I just love that piece of art. So that's my fave. I had a friend in seminary who had that in his room. Really? And I remember being like, oh, what is that? Yeah. He's like, hey, let me tell you about it. Really? I thought, that's really cool. That's yeah. fascinating. Well, mm-hmm. I'm glad you have also seen it. But there's a lot of 
you know, there's so much good religious art out there. Let's throw it up on Twitter. Uh, yeah. To show our listeners uh, what this piece of art looks like. Okay, yeah. I will. Awesome. Thanks, Danielle. So we're talking about Lent and mm-hmm. Easter and Triduum. the Triduum. Yeah. yeah, you really want to talk about the Triduum, right? Triduum is my favorite part of the year. So what's your favorite liturgy in the Triduum? And for, for our listeners who don't what? know... The Triduum is the period of three days that includes the evening of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. What's the play-by-play, okay? Holy Thursday, we got the Mass at the Cathedral, where all of the priests come and renew their vows. What's it called? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) It's called the Chrismas because it's the mass at which the archbishop makes chrism, which is the oil used for um, baptism. It's the oil used for confirmation, and it's the oil used for uh, ordinations. And that oil that's made on that day is then from there sent to every parish in the archdiocese. And I love it because he blows into it. That's like how the blessing works. He like sings, blows into it, and then it's blessed. And it's like in this giant vat. And all of the priests of the archdiocese are there and they all renew their vows to the priesthood. Love it. Also, I'm very extroverted, so it's like all my friends <laughs> it's in a one who's spot. Who of the church, right? <laughs> now like, we're, we're getting to the friends. real reason why you love the church. <laughs> no, I, lo- I love it in real life too. And then that night, there's uh, the Holy Thursday liturgy, so the mass washing of the, the Lord's Supper, yeah, super beautiful. And then after that, I'm starting this thing called Seven Churches Pilgrimage, bringing the devotion. So on a bus, travel to seven different altars of repose. It's a really cool devotion. It starts at like nine and it goes to like midnight. So Yeah, so on Holy Thursday, it's the mass of the institution of the Lord's Supper, right? The institution of the Eucharist and the priesthood. And the mass ends with a procession of the Blessed Sacrament to not the normal tabernacle right. or the normal altar, but what we call an altar of repose. And uh, the the host, the Blessed Sacrament, is there, and people come. So it's usually the Mass is at like 7, so like mm-hmm. 8, 8.30. People come from like that time until about midnight just to pray in imitation of being with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, awaiting kind of those tumultuous hours of his arrest, imprisonment, trial, leading up to his crucifixion. And usually the altar is like decorated, a lot of flowers. And And every church does this, Mm -hmm. right? So there's this really cool uh, custom that you're like trying to bring back of going around uh, to different altars to to see the beautiful work that's done and to pray with Jesus uh, at all these different churches. So you're doing seven churches? Yeah, which is actually, this is not a devotion that I made up. This was like like hundreds and hundreds of yeah, years no, old. Yeah, I just mean like yeah. you're like, yeah. it, this is something you're kind of like promoting or helping right. people to re-engage right. this devotion. So, so seven was not picked by me. And it's a really cool devotion too, because, um, you know, when you read the narrative, Jesus goes to the high priest Annas, then high priest Caiaphas, then Pilate, then Herod, then Pilate again. Mm-hmm. So it's like also is remembering this journey of Jesus throughout the the night, yeah. which is pretty cool too. And it's like exhausting. Holy week is exhausting, but like also really cool. So then next day is not as a priest. It's pretty chill as a really? Pri- no, I'm kidding. I'm just <laughs> like, what are you talking about? No, like, it, have like, you ever done this? <laughs> like for every pastor and every yeah. church worker, Holy week, especially those days of the Triduum are just really busy. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. It's but like exhausting. what we do. 
yeah. you know, and then, but it's so beautiful and so worthwhile. So, uh, Good Friday, love the liturgy. And the thing is, is like, I don't like to halfway do anything. Yeah. So I want it like, like all the prayers, all the prayers. Let us kneel, let us stand. Let us kneel. Yeah, for like a hundred years. I'm ready. Yeah. And then we have live stations of the cross at St. Anne, which is where I work. And so, which is a really cool God bless, like, Hispanic devotion. Yeah, that's a Hispanic yeah. devotion more than, like, a parish I grew up in or where you grew up, right? Oh, for sure. And, like, they go for it, man. Like, we have, like, vats of fake blood and so that Jesus can look, like, really torn up. And they walk throughout the entire neighborhood. So, like, traffic is stopping. The buses can't get through. People are coming under their front porches and watching. Like, it's a really interesting form of evangelization. Yeah. I'm here for it, though. Favorite one, though? Easter Vigil. Everything about it is so extra, (laughs) and I love it. Like, sundown. You know what we should do? Light a bonfire. Get the biggest candle we have. Sing a song to the bees. Let's go through all of scriptural history. We don't sing a song to the bees. The bees, <laughs> the bees are, are part, mentioned. The, they're mentioned, but the you know the uh, exalted yeah. is exalting God's glory. It is true, and the bees give the bees get a solid the shout out. The bees glorify God. They do in the song as well. Yeah. yeah. The work of bees and of your servants. So then we have like all of these readings about how God has always drawn us back to him, back to him, back to him throughout all of creation history. And I just love it. And then the new 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 baby Catholics come into the church. I'm like, hey, I love it here. And, and I love it because they're so excited. And I've had like different friends join the church throughout my life. And I, like they'll be so excited. And I'll be like, I'm, I, I'll, I'll tell them like, you're excited and I'm more excited. After you've been a Catholic for 25 years, tell me how excited you are. And that's how excited I am right now. So, um, yeah, I love all of that. Did you do all that as a kid? Like as a family, did you guys enter into the whole Triduum? Yeah, we we always did Good Friday, like live stations at my parents' church is the Shrine Little Flower. And then we only started doing vigil when I was in like high school. Because I had a, a cousin join the church. Would you go to the Holy Thursday Mass? I don't... Th- I can't remember, so I don't think so. I think it was, like, here and there. Yeah. It wasn't, like, as much a part of the situation. How about you guys? Yeah, we would go to Holy Thursday. That was, like, even, like I said, in high school, we had baseball games, but that would be right after school, and we would then go to Mass at, like, 7 p.m. We did that every year. That was a without fail. And then we'd go on Good Friday. Uh, without fail but we didn't do the vigil you know yeah Um, well but i think also like the age thing yeah because the vigil takes a couple hours i don't think i went to the vigil i did it on a retreat once in college but until i entered seminary uh, i didn't do the vigil liturgy um of the triduum yeah uh, you know, the Easter Vigil is like the pinnacle of the yeah. church's liturgical year because of everything you're saying. It's when new Christians are brought in. Yeah. And kind of the whole rite of um, baptism, confirmation, like bringing them in all at once. And my first year as a priest, I got to be very involved with the RCIA, the preparation mm-hmm. for um, for people who wanted to come into the church. And it was so cool seeing these men and women, like, walking with them from September, Mm -hmm. you know, in a more intense way through Lent, 
and then to be with them at the uh, at the Easter vigil that had that's like one of the liturgical highlights of yeah. my life is just seeing these people you got to know and like you're saying so excited for them to finally uh, be in the fullness of the truth in the church uh, it was so beautiful so my, I love the yeah. vigil my brother was there was a a friend who was his like a close friend of his for years and years and years. And last year he decided to join the church. So I went to that vigil last year and my brother was there and he was there and my family came. And afterwards he wrote this letter to my mom and he was, because my mom gave him like a gift or whatever. Yeah. And, and he was like, you know, I always felt like I was a part of your family, but now I really am because I'm Catholic too. And it was just like, yeah, this is so cool. Like we're like this bigger family. Oh my gosh. And then there's all like the litany. Ah. Uh, done. I'm here. I love it. I'm like, I want every part of it. Like, like, and I love how the church is like, let's do everything tonight. Yeah. Like candles, darkness, all the smoke. And I'm like, yep, 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 yep. The whole Keep of salvation coming. history, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 like yeah. in the reading, it's a long mass. So it is for any of our listeners, we encourage you wholeheartedly to take a nap If you beforehand. haven't been to the vigil, <laughs> <laughs> to go. Uh, and if you need a, a pregame nap, yeah. uh, don't be shy about that. Mm-hmm. But it is a beautiful liturgy and it counts for your Easter obligation. Yeah. Did you guys do Lent stuff? In our family? Yeah. Yeah, sure. What do you, what do you mean? Did we do Lent stuff? <laughs> I don't like, know. We just didn't do Lent. <laughs> yeah, we did Lent intense growing up. No really? T- yeah, we, we didn't go to movies. Like, um, we didn't watch TV during Lent. Um, Lent was pretty intense. We didn't have parties during Lent. You couldn't have parties. I remember a girl in my class when I was like in middle school, I had a birthday party and my mom saying like, no, you're not going to, who has a party during Lent? (laughs) And I'm like, people who have birthdays during Lent, mom. (laughs) But but yeah, we were just like, we didn't do that. So Lent was a big deal for you guys. Um, yes. We like, like, and it got like more, like grew as we got older because like when you're little like you don't really understand what's going on I enjoy the practice I enjoy like trying to become better and you know I think about how much families are at the heart of Unleash the Gospel yeah the movement and I just think how important those kind of times in the life of the church were for our family right yeah like I we kind of look back and laugh now about Um, not being able to go to parties or to go to watch movies during Lent. Um, But I do think it was like it drove home these these rituals we had in our family. Mm -hmm. It drove home the importance of the faith or going to mass on a Thursday evening or spending, you know, two hours in church on a Friday for Good Friday. Oh, yeah. We always went to Stations of the Cross and then we had to like draw our own Stations of the Cross. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I mean, or the Stations of the Cross and fish fries. Like I think all those things as a family are great ways for us to recapture that Catholic culture that we want to have and to make this movement of Unleash the Gospel take root in in your family right mm-hmm. um tell me about easter in your family uh, oh danielle did you gosh. have any like family customs or culture oh, yeah. or uh, customs or, or rituals that you did yeah so we um so like there's like different things that are like very polish things the, this one is something i still do every year and i'm gonna say it and it sounds so funny but it's just like a tradition they they mold butter into a lamb oh shape. yeah i've so, seen that yeah so i've been like in charge of making butter lambs for the family and the neighbors um for the past like 
20 years. And so um, I'll be doing that again, making butter lambs. And then we do like big, big food, like three, four different kinds of meat and like everything. So what about you guys? You did that? Well, because you went to Ukrainian school, so you probably made your share of butter lambs. No, I didn't do that. We did something called pisinka. Pisinka is a Ukrainian Easter egg decorated with folk designs using a wax resist method. You can get to the final step and break the egg. <laughs> I know. I what, know. A, what a metaphor for life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, you know, we always got really dressed up for Easter. Did you guys? So did we you get would, new clothes? No. Well, hang oh, on. You we, didn't. No. It kind of <laughs> hand me down. far down in the line. But we'd wear... Uh, all of us had suits, and we'd wear suits for Easter mass, like our ties. And I remember my mom would buy us all new socks for Aww. Easter. So that was like a big custom. In my first year of preaching, I was talking about like, you know, these little customs yeah. or traditions. And I mentioned that, that like, you know, that was one way to say like Christmas and Easter were really important in our family, that we got new socks. And I don't know why, <laughs> but someone came up to me after mass and said, I feel so bad for you. You only got socks for Christmas <laughs> and Easter. It's like, no, that's not what happened. Like, but that was one way in our family to mark um, that this was like a big occasion, right? Yeah. We got really dressed up. We got new socks. Yeah. <laughs> and we went to mass together as a family, of course. And then we stayed dressed up for, for you know, Easter dinner, which was always ham in our family. You know, there was, was a great. lady yeah, who worked at the Chancery, like, I don't know, a few years ago when I worked there. And she she told me that custom. And she's like, you know, every year for Easter, you should buy yourself something new. And even if it's just socks. That's what she told me. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And it's really cool. Like, it, like the first time you wear it is Easter. And it's just like a cool way to celebrate, I think. Yeah. Just a little way, again, to mark that this is yeah. an important day mm-hmm. for our faith. So... It's just like three days of everything that I love. <laughs> yeah. So, and I don't sleep a lot. Do, and your favorite is the vigil too. I do love the vigil. Do you have like a favorite I, part You know, of the I vigil? love uh, Easter day mass as well, which is not part of the triduum. Yeah. But I just love like every song has Alleluia yeah. in it. Yeah. Like multiple, multiple times. And that this word that we haven't said all of Lent, uh-huh. we like can't get enough of yeah. on Easter. I it, know. It's just really great. And and as a priest who can't sing well, on you Easter you have to do the final blessing or the dismissal. Yeah. Like, go in peace, hallelujah, in the long hallelujah. Yeah. And it's always like <laughs> the deacon does it if there's a deacon. But most of the time I hadn't had a deacon. I didn't have a deacon. And it was like terrifying but fun. And I'm like, everyone's kind of like half laughing because it's not very good. Uh, but, but we are like, yeah. you give God the best that you have, right? And like, even if I can't sing awesomely, I'm going to give him the best I have. And just offering that gift to him, um, I, I don't know, it makes me joyful. So this is a lot of fun, Danielle. We're, we're talking about the Triduum and Easter, but like, let's try to touch on the pastoral letter a little bit here, yeah. just so we can kind of break that open for how to live that. I'm looking at Marker 8.3, the parish as a place of welcome. How do we do that at a time of the Triduum, where I feel like we're, we got these awesome liturgies where there's so much being spoken through the liturgy and then Easter, so many people coming. I mean, how how do you see us doing that well or how have you seen that done well? Yeah. um, 
I guess just in my own ministry, um, I think, well, it, it's overwhelming. Like everything that we're talking about is crazy, right? Like if someone, I invite, I've invited a few people to like the Easter vigil is like their first time thing. I'm like, isn't this great? They're like, this has been four hours. And I'm like, it was Welcome. great three hours ago. <laughs> um, no, I, I still, there's still my friends. Don't worry. But, um, like, I know it is overwhelming, but I, I think that it's just a really special time, right? Yeah. This is a special, really cool time. There's really cool stuff going on, and it's a little bit out of the ordinary. So I, I feel like it's a little bit different than inviting someone to Sunday Mass because it's only once a year. So you're like, hey, do would you consider doing this seven churches pilgrimage? It's cool. We're going to all these things. And it's a little bit different than Mass, and it's... It's a new way of looking at things. Or um, I, I'm really impressed with the live stations of the cross at St. Anne's and how we just go through the neighborhood. And, and, right. like, and that's hey, being out there, on. right? Yeah. That's like the church going out and proclaiming her witness Which to the I think community. the church needs to do a lot more of yeah. is opening the doors and walking outside. And that's one of the few times that we do it in the church here. And I think it's really powerful. Yeah. So like after Easter, we look to Corpus Christi. I know a lot of parishes do processions around that. I think those can be awesome times to just say like the church isn't meant to be a country club, isn't meant to be a clique, that we are like a fortress against the people who are not here. We are here to be a leaven to the community, not in a way that like talks down to people, but to say we have something that God has given and he wants us to share. And uh, the more we go out, the more we make the parish a place of welcome, right? Yeah. The more we, we say like, hey, uh, we know what's going on out there and we want you to, we want to bring you into uh, a way of worshiping God so that he can transform our lives. I think something that we forget a lot and I forget a lot is how incredible the stuff is that we have. Like the message that we have is pretty phenomenal. And um, hey, people, there's a God who loves us, who fights for us, who has never stopped calling us back to himself. That's what we're remembering today. This is our story. People, if people don't know that, then they have nothing to celebrate that day. But we're like, you know what? This is incredible. Let's build a bonfire at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think like the story of Easter doesn't make sense without Good Friday. Yeah. And so many people know Good Friday like intimately in their lives, yeah. right? They know pain. They know brokenness. They know suffering. They know disappointment. Like the whole reading the passion on Good Friday you read about, uh, like, from just Palm Sunday, we're looking at Jesus's triumphant entry, and then you see all these people who abandoned him, yeah. turned away from him, just the, on the human level, experiencing that kind of disappointment and that kind of betrayal. Yeah. Like, we all know that. By your one of your best friends. Right. Like, and he, he kisses you, and then that's the symbol. And he denies you at the time you need him most. Yeah. Um, And how that can be extrapolated in the disappointment, but also the the pain of death, the pain of separation from the perspective of the Blessed Mother seeing her child die. Um, Just like the whole darkness of Good Friday, the world knows that. We, We know that in so many ways. And to say like your personal Good Friday is mm-hmm. caught up in Jesus's Good Friday. Mm-hmm. 
And therefore, if you allow that to be given over to Christ, you get to celebrate the big bonfire mm-hmm. and the celebration mm-hmm. on Easter Sunday. And I think like one step more than that, too, is he wanted to join you in that, right? Because he could have not. But Jesus joins us in it, too. So we have a God who does know what betrayal feels like. Yeah. And does know what like fear feels like and all that as well. So, yeah, it's incredible. I love the whole thing. Yeah. So Easter is a time for us to uh, not back away from our mission mm-hmm. to be a band of joyful missionary disciples, but to enter in in the time of suffering and pain mm-hmm. um, to proclaim the message that God is close to us in our suffering so that uh, we can celebrate the mm-hmm. resurrection and God's victory. And I think it's, I like, I've tried in the past few years to like just open it up and be like, hey, anyone interested in doing something wild over the next three days? Because I am yeah. doing these things. Um, and I, I think that like there, it's powerful. And it's also like, like in its own way, interesting, just like culturally, you know, like, hey, do you want to come and do this thing? Even if you don't necessarily know what all of it is yet, do you want right. to just experience it, be a part of it? There's evangelization in that as well. And just, yeah, inviting people to be a part of the story. Yeah. Well, hey, before we close, mm-hmm. we usually ask our guests if they have any word or uh, or prayer they want to leave with us. So I want to give you the chance, Danielle, since we're I'm interviewing you here, um, <laughs> to, to offer any, any prayer or word, final word here. Yeah, people of God, I'm just here to throw some love into your hearts and say that God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. God is fighting for you, and he's calling you back to him. And he's calling you to something beautiful and good. He's calling you to a great adventure. So don't be afraid. Amen. It was a lot of fun to turn the questions back on Danielle today and to hear uh, what she's doing about Unleash the Gospel and to hear how much she loves the big bonfire, the big Easter fire we do at the vigil as we prepare for Jesus's resurrection. Be sure to subscribe and like us on iTunes and to bring your friends along for the ride. And if the Holy Spirit has inspired you while listening today, be sure to pass this episode along to someone else who might enjoy it. Open Door Policy was produced at Sacred Heart Major Seminary for the Archdiocese of Detroit. We'd like to thank our creative team, Christine Warner, Ron Pangborn, Paul Duda, Patrick Hodgden, Devin Buston, Patty Maldonado, Naomi Vrezo, Joe Peltier, Epsi Christostomo, and Edmundo Reyes. Join us next time when Danielle explains how to make a butter lamb. Candles, darkness, all the smoke. And I'm like, yep, 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 yep. I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. Season two of Open Door Policy may be over, but our mission isn't. Be sure to stay connected on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for updates on coming seasons of the podcast highlights from previous episodes, and clips that you can share with your family and friends and neighbors. Don't forget to continue to unleash the gospel wherever you are, and we can't wait to see you soon with more inspiring content. Thanks, Brando.